0: Because of one name, the name of Jesus that unites us in one spirit. And we lift up that name tonight, the name above every other name, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. Now thank you, Lord. That every word is true. That you truly are Emmanuel, God with us. You are here with us tonight. Your word says that where two or more are gathered, you are there in their midst. And I thank you that though we may do this every week, the fact that we can gather together In your name is extraordinary because you are here you are in our midst and we thank you for your word that we're going to hear tonight that it's life to those that hear it and healing to all their flesh Thank you, Lord, we're expectant. We're expectant to be transformed by your word tonight. We thank you for a shift tonight. Holy Spirit, we pray you'd have your way tonight, that we'd open ourselves up, we'd open our hearts our ears, our eyes to hear what you're having to say to us tonight. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We adore you. We thank you for coming tonight. We're thankful in advance for everything you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. Awesome. Well, welcome. Great to see everyone today. Who enjoyed the warm weather? Yeah? Awesome. Some of you got burnt. Wear more sunscreen. Fantastic. Well, it's great to see you all. And um, just before we... Get stuck into the word with Pastor Tony, just a few announcements. Uh, kids' church is on for kids aged four and up, so if you do have anyone aged four and up, you're welcome to, um, to join the kids' room. If they're under four, you'll just have to stay in the service with them, or you're welcome to hang in the foyer as well. Um, thank you for everyone for making that back row against the wall for parents with prams, I think everyone's respecting that so thank you very much and just as we're leaving the service tonight just a reminder that there is another service on downstairs so let's just be um, keep the volume down as we're leaving just so we don't disturb them and we're on Wednesday night 7 30 in the room downstairs and this Wednesday we do have baptisms on so if you haven't been baptized we want to encourage you to get baptized and you have that opportunity this Wednesday. The Bible says that when you're baptised, you're buried with Christ. And it is the ultimate outward expression of the inward decision you are making to follow Christ. And I know from talking to people, people can often put it off and think, you know, yeah, I'll get to it or do it one day. But I love the story of uh, in Acts of the eunuch who's um, traveling along the road and hears about baptism and basically comes across a puddle and says, "Well, stop the chariot there's a puddle here. Can we get baptized here?" and he did he got baptized, but he understood the urgency of it that um, that it's not just it doesn't just signify um, burial with Christ and rising with Christ, but it is your guarantee of a clear conscience towards God, so if you're struggling with your mindset and not having a clear conscience, then baptism is definitely for you. So come Wednesday, bring a pair of dark clothes and a towel. And if you do want to get baptised on Wednesday, just see Pastor Tony or Pastor Rabs. Let them know tonight if you can. But otherwise, um, looking forward to see some seeing some wet heads of hair on Wednesday. All right. Who's ready for the word? Can we honour the man of God and just be upstanding to uh, welcome up Pastor Tony.
1: Let me get rid of this first. Hello? Hello? Sorry, guys. I'm working under these conditions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We are nothing without you. We lay before you our hearts tonight, Lord. We never get familiar coming into your presence, Lord. But we always say thank you, Abba, Father. for You are gracious and merciful. It's a privilege to sit at your feet. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us that removes the stain of sin, that we can come partake of his divine nature. We ask the Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. Have your way tonight. We give you all the glory. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we hunger and thirst for you, to know you. We want to hear from you, Lord. We want to see you. Bigger than we've ever seen you before. We thank you, Father, for what you're about to do. Lord, we're a work in progress, but Lord, the work you started, you will complete. Amen? Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, this is a good mic. It's loud. Welcome. It's Sunday. As if I need to be loud. It's a privilege to be with you again on this Sunday. Um, it's an honour. It's always an honour. I never take it for granted that um, we get the privilege to share the Word of God. We always think, you know, we always, from my perspective, is it's not something that we have to do. It's something that we want to do. We're commanded by the Lord to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, uh, you know, people say all the time, you know, who's who's the latest evangelist you're bringing? I said, yeah, we've got a, a room full of them. You are all evangelists. You're all preachers. You're all teachers. You're all apostles and prophets in the sense that, you know, you can't run away from the call of God on your life. And I think in this modern world, we're looking for someone that's made it. And we're looking for someone that's got it all worked out and and we're just we're just hungering and thirsting. That what is the truth? You know what is truth? Remember Caesar was that not Pontius Pilate said to Jesus, "What is truth?" You know people are hungering. Truth does not change. Truth is truth. And we're hungering and thirsting for truth. If you the Bible says, if you're hungry and thirst, you'll be filled. See the Bible says that if you seek God, you will find Him. Knock, and the door will be open. And I'm afraid that we stop halfway. We, we, we have a hunger inside to know who God is and who we are in God. But a lot of the times we're trying to find out, God, tell me who I am. And God says, I cannot tell you who you are until you know me. Until you know who you are in me, then you will find yourself. Try and put parts of an iPhone into a Samsung. It doesn't work because the manufacturer made it a certain way and only the manufacturer knows what parts go in there. They all do the same functions and they can ring and take photos and all that. But ultimately, only the manufacturer knows how it works and knows what's going to get that phone right, whole. Well, God is the only one that knows what you need. Amen? The Holy Spirit knows all things and reveals them to you. So when we search for the heart of God, we need to know that God is for us and not against us, amen? Religion will tell you God is not for you. And the issue we have currently in, 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 in any situation is that truth is truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Are we in agreement? You could say, well, I want another way. But the only way to the Father's house is through the Son. See, people say, I believe in God, and I'm spiritual, and, 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 and I've had an enlightenment, and that's awesome. But if you reject the Son, you reject the Father or the one who sent him. You see, just having a notion about God or being spiritual doesn't make you truth. Not everything supernatural is of God. But we have a blueprint. The bible that's an ipad it's a bible and the bible is the blueprint it's the architectural design that god has placed for us to know him and he does not change amen we change we would like to change some things you know who knows god is love god is also just Someone asked me, how do you reconcile the fact that if God is all-merciful, all-gracious, all-powerful, how do you reconcile that with people going to hell? And the people who, that say, yeah, no, God sends people to hell, how do you reconcile this just God, this God that demands um, sin is the uh, wages of sin is death, and God will not let the wicked go unpunished? How do you reconcile that to say God is love? Because God is just and God is love. So how do we reconcile that? You know, if a family, if someone gets run over by a car and the person dies and the family take, they arrest the guy that ran over, over the person, they go to court and the judge says, well, they reckon that judge's merciful and kind and gracious and compassionate and he lets the guy off. He didn't mean to kill the person. He can get off. The family would say, wow, what a merciful judge. What a loving judge. What a kind judge. True. But then the other side who lost the family member would say, he's corrupt, he's unjust, and he's, not, he, 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 he's done wrong by us. But then if he sends him away for, for, the, for the death penalty, his family would say, yes, the person got what he deserves. That, ju- that judge is just. And then other people say, but he wasn't merciful. He wasn't loving. He never took anything in consideration. So how does it work? Which one is God? Because we've swung the pendulum this way and we've swung it this way. Which one is it? See, it's the love of God and the fear of the Lord that leads us onto that narrow road. See, only God can actually reconcile the justice and mercy. How? That we deserve death Christ came who knew no sin that became sin and went to the cross. So the love of the Father for you and me was satisfied when he put Jesus on the cross. And the justice of God was satisfied because he put an innocent man to die on behalf of the guilty. And that's why God is love and God is merciful. And you cannot change his word to suit your way. Amen. It's his way or no way. But when you understand his way, you know the peace of God that passes all understanding? explain your peace. I can't. It passes all understanding. If I I can show you my peace, then it's not from God. The Bible says His peace passes all understanding. In other words, sometimes in the turmoil of your life, you have this peace. You don't know where it came from. You don't know how you got there. The situation in front of you has not changed. The circumstance in front of you has not changed because God does not change. Do you go through sorrow? Yeah. Do you go through anger? Yeah. You know, many years ago, <clears throat> I met this guy. He was like a business coach, and he was a Christian. And um, <clears throat> he went broke a few times, and then God got him on this road, you know, to to hear him and be instructed by him, because he came out of a church where the word of God is for spiritual things. But he didn't know the Word of God could help you in your finances and help you in your family and help you in these other areas. And he said something to me. He says, I started hanging out and finding people that got successful in a, in a way, whether they had a successful family, had a successful church, had a successful business, had a, and I wanted to pick their brains. And I was talking to him about that. And as I was talking to him, I said, you know what? I like that idea, but I like it even better when I know I can go sit with someone who went through the down and the dumps and got out of the mess. See, I, it's easy to go talk to someone who's on top of the world and can give you advice. But tell me who can get you out of the pit of hell to bring you to the top of the mountain. And it's talked about people who serve Christ, no matter what the outcome was, broke, sick. You know, I want to talk to people that have prayed and they didn't get healed and they don't to do to their faith. And I want to talk to people that sowed all their life into the kingdom and now they can't afford to buy food to eat. I want to talk to those people because they have stood the test of time. I want to talk to people like the Apostle Paul because no matter where he was, where he had a lot or he had little, he was the same person. Whether he was under persecution or he was, had abundance, he was the same person. And we're going to read this tonight. What was inside of him that no matter the situation, how do you get flogged and thrown out of a city to die? Many believe he did die. That's when he went to the third heaven. And then when he got back up, he dusted and went back into the city. (laughs) you either going to be dumb or you know something I don't know. Think about it. He got bashed, persecuted, whipped and thrown to die. And when he got back up, he went back in. I want to talk to that guy. I want to talk to the guy that can stay faithful and stay faithful and true to God's word, even when the circumstance around him is not subject to that area where he he could be in jail and still remain steadfast and firm in what he knew. That's the people I want to talk to. And we're going to touch a little bit on here. Just give me one sec because that iPad's gone a bit bonkers on me. No notes that I, please. It's just it all went blank. But I do have a memory. Let's go to Luke chapter 11, verse 24. I don't know if you can find it. I think the thing just shut down. Last week I spoke about this. Thanks, Chris. This is Chris's fault because he said just a lib. So Last week we spoke about this scripture. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man and goes through a dry place, places, seeks rest. And finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds that it's swept and put into order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter into that dwell, uh, and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And I'm not going to go through the whole message. And it's on um, YouTube and it's on, I think, um, Spotify and it's on, it's on our Facebook but we touched on this. I just want to recap on this: that the house was swept clean; it was put in order, but it was empty. And tonight, I want to talk to you about a full house. I want to talk to you about how you fill your house. And the house is not just representative of a family home, or it's representative of your life, but it can be, it can be whether your your family, whether it's your your the environment you work in, whether it's your it's your inner walk. It's very important that. It's good to say that the blood of Jesus cleanses you. You are no longer a sinner. Amen. That's awesome. And it's great that he's trying to put us into order. But the owners are on us to fill the house. Because if it's not filled, guess what? The enemy's knocking on your door. And I don't know if I said this last week. I said but the enemy has the enemy has made a great deception on the earth and made people believe he doesn't exist. The devil's great. He's tricked everyone that he doesn't exist. And he does exist. And he hates you. He hates everything about you. Because you remind him of him. Either you're in the Lord or not in the Lord, you still remind him of him. And we spoke about these things, but it's interesting, you know. How do we how do we fill our house? How do we fill our inner man? Let's talk about our when I talk about house, think about your life. The Bible says you are the, 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 the house, the house of the Holy Spirit, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. How do you get your world to comply with heaven? Because we have a flesh and an old man that doesn't want to comply with heaven. How do we get God's reality to become our reality? And if you go back to Luke chapter 1, first thing he says before he talks about all these parables, especially this one, he says, and teaches the disciples how to pray. So we're going to start there, prayer. Rabbi's has been talking about prayer, talking about the shield on Wednesday nights, talking about that shield, it's, it's, it's the height of a, of a person, but when they kneel and they look through the shield, they're seeing the enemy from afar. It speaks of bowing the knee in prayer. Everyone up to date with that? If you're not, you can go back and listen to it. I think prayer is probably the most misunderstood thing in, in the world because the disciples says, teach us how to pray. These were religious Jews. They prayed a lot, but he says, Teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, pray like this, our Father. He, re- he reveals the Father to them. Because they knew God didn't know God as Father. So we know that prayer is the is the opening. And it's interesting that Paul here, the apostle Paul, you know, all his letters start with Paul, an apostle. He didn't give him his title say, I'm the Apostle Paul. We call him that. But he says, Paul, an apostle, by the grace of God. There's a big difference. If I have to tell you who I am, then I have nothing to give you. But If you know who I am by what I say and do, then you know who I am. Does that make sense? He says, I'm Paul, and an apostle, called by God. But when he dealt with the churches individually, he was their pastor. He was their shepherd and he spoke to them as one who would die for his sheep and we see this here and Paul's writing here to the uh, book of uh, Ephesians and the book of Ephesians and we can go to chapter 3 and verse 14 and it's really interesting if you get a chance honestly read read the whole book of Ephesians but if you go to chapter 1 2 3 4 here we're going to go from 3 but Paul spends a lot of time in 2 telling these ephesians and they were they were gentiles mainly who converted to Christ gentiles meaning they were outside the covenant of the jews they weren't jews they were gentiles most of us here come from gentile background and he preached the gospel in ephesus that was a religious city i don't know if you remember in the book of acts he went to ephesus and they saw statues of all these gods i don't know if you remember and he saw one statue there or it wasn't even a statue it was just Uh, a stand, an altar, and it had the unknown God written on it. So Paul says, you know what? I want to talk to you about that one. And he used that analogy to say, I want to talk to you about the unknown God. And he spoke about Christ. And now these guys are converts. And he tells them that you were aliens to the Commonwealth of Israel. In other words, you weren't part of the covenant. You were outsiders. You were uncircumcised. You were this, you're that. But by, gra- by the grace of God and the mercy of God, he's called you in. And now you get to partake in God's glorious riches. He's talking about all this through the, the blessings of God upon them and how much God loves them. And then he says this, and then we're going we're gonna to go backwards here so you can see what's going on. And he says this in Ephesians 14. I'll read it from here. And for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can stop right there a normal posture for a jew jews didn't pray on their knees they prayed standing up but here we talk about paul on bended knees rabbis has been sharing this for the last couple of weeks about being on your knees i remember coaching a footy side and you could never get their attention after training they just wanted to go home and you want to talk to them and a lot of the times they're standing up and they're niggling each other and if they sat down they're falling asleep so we used to get them to get on give us one knee and they always to go on one knee and they'd look up and there was something about going on your knee because now you've got posture and you're looking up. Isn't there something about, perhaps are sharing about going to the wall. The soldiers would put the shield and kneel. Speaks of bowing the knee, speaks of humility, speaks of seeing your enemy from afar. Here in our Luke chapter, he talks about our father. He's teaching them how to pray. Then he talks about an empty house. What's he saying? He says the only way you can fill your house is in prayer. And not prayer like, Lord, please bless me. Oh, Lord, please make paramount win which I said that many times on Thursday and didn't listen. Prayer is not a shopping list to God. Prayer is not begging God for something He's already given you. Prayer is not, please, Lord, and manipulating God because you want your ex-husband to die because he's not giving you child support. Prayer is not, you know, your in-laws are giving you a hard time and you want a car to drive through their house so you don't have to go to Christmas lunch with them because you want to go somewhere else. Prayer is not witchcraft where you want, oh, Lord, I demand you to do this and I, I demand you to do that. You know, the funniest prayer you ever hear is, Lord, change that guy's heart and God's trying to change your heart. No, no, no. Prayer is communing with God. Now, we know that there's praying in our natural and praying in the spirit. And that, but I want to show you what Paul's prayer was here. He says, for this reason. Now, we're going to work out what, what's the reason. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. For whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that we would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you've been rooted and grounded in in the love, may be able to comprehend all with, with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul here is praying a prayer. Do you see any manipulation in that prayer? Do you see Paul praying for himself in that prayer? Do you see Paul um, quoting things out of context in this prayer. If you go through that whole line and we will, we see Paul on bended knees praying for the church in Ephesus. In other words, like a father should be praying for his family, like a, a a mother should be praying for her child. This is what Paul was doing. See, we love to see Paul in power. He casted out this demon and he and he and he was preaching for 3 hours and someone fell asleep and then they fell out of the window and died and he raised them from the dead. I'd love to do that because they all fall asleep when I preach at my house. But, but they praised him from the dead. He fell out of the window. We like to see that part of Paul. But Paul here is now praying a prayer that he, he's on his knees and he's saying, Lord, because of your richness in mercy and love, let them be blessed. He's praying for the church and he's saying to them, listen, for this reason I pray. But who knows the reason? Do you know God in your life? Paul here was praying that God is rich in mercy. And are you grounded in the love of God? How deep do you go in God? See, people say, God loves me. True. Does everyone believe that God loves them? Because if you don't, you're already on the back foot. The Bible says how wide and how deep and how long and how His love is for you. We will never understand what Jesus did on the cross till we get to heaven. We can talk about it. We can try and explain it. We can do a lot of things. A lot of people, men, great men and women have come onto this earth, but not one of them has died for me. Not one of them has died for you. Now, someone can die for you or take your place, jump in the way, a car, they push you out of the way, they die. But this is a man who come down from heaven to go on a cross to pay a price, knowingly that he was laid down his life for you and me. Paul understood this. If you have a look at Paul, can we go to uh, Ephesians chapter 3.13? We just read Paul being on his knees in uh, 14, true? So I'm going back now, look what he says. Therefore, I ask you, you, do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, for you which is your glory. Paul was in tribulation. You know, chapters and verses, we spoke about that last week, how they put you off a little bit. If you don't stop at chapter, um, at, you don't stop at chapter verse 14 and listen to the heading, you keep reading. Here, Paul is talking about how good God is and how what God's done in your life, but don't lose faith. Don't lose heart out of my tribulation. What was Paul's tribulation? Does anyone know? If you know, keep your hand down. It was a rhetorical question. But seriously, what was Paul's tribulation? Because this is a guy praying, and this is a guy edifying, and this is a guy's blessing, and this guy is giving us all the positives. But what was his tribulation? Let's have a look at verse chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. If you read it in context... Paul saying you've been blessed with riches from above. You can't understand how much God loves you. You don't know how deep it is and how wide it is. You don't know the riches of his glory. He's not withholding nothing from you. And you know what? He's saying all these things. And then he says, but don't let my tribulation put you off. He wrote this from jail. Under Caesar Nero. Caesar Nero was a n- nutcase. He was either demon-possessed or an absolute maniac. The- oh, yeah. I can use that. Absolute maniac. I'm going to preach no matter what. I'll you some from. So he was waiting to get sentenced in Rome. Paul now is in prison. Listen to me. Listen to me. You guys are having a hard time with situations and circumstances. And that is in prison for the gospel they're going to get him for treason which means beheading and yet he's praying that God's mercy and riches and the blessings of God upon you because you're faithful you're beautiful and don't let what's happening to me put you off because this is for your glory hallelujah what was his house full of what is your house full of What is it in your life that you are just bucking against God and kicking against God? This man's in prison. And I can go through the whole chapter two and and the the beginning of chapter three and see the blessings of God that he's saying that you're so. But are you rooted and grounded in the love of God? Do you know how much he loves you? Do you know what Rabbi said this week? If you're walking and struggling, you don't know the victory of the cross. If you don't know the victory of the cross, you're going to struggle because all you're going to pick up is philosophies and principles and ten steps to live a better life and five steps to lose weight and, and three steps to get a wife and eight steps to get rid of your wife and all this sort of stuff. Joking. I want to be like Paul. Not Paul. I want to be who Paul imitates. Rabbish, you got an awesome revelation on that. See, What did Paul have? See, Peter, St. Peter says, some things Paul writes are very hard to understand. Read it. He goes, something Paul writes, some of the revelations that Paul has, very hard to understand. So what did Paul have that we don't have? What makes a man who just, if you go through Paul's life, whipped five times, 39 lashes, 40 lashes, that's one, five times. Imprisoned that many times shipwrecked what did he have it was interesting because i'm a big believer in reading and the lord took me this today and i went to a few other scriptures and you know what can we break it down you want to go on a bit of a journey nobody let's go home then who's going on let's eat enough of this food because you'll be fasting for the rest of the week amen hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Pray so you can stay. Fast so you can last. I'm fasting off fasting, guys, so if you see me eating, that's why I'm fasting off the fast. I'm joking. Can we go back to Ephesians 3, 14? You know the measure of a man is what he says and does does not change through life, no matter the circumstance. I'm not talking that we have our ups and downs. Don't misunderstand me. I don't, I'm not saying that we don't get upset or we, we go through some situations and sorrows in our life. I'm not talking that. But Paul was a man that never wavered, no matter the circumstance. It's very easy for me and you to give advice to someone when you're on top of the world. But how, what if someone comes knocking on your door and needs advice and you're broken and you think, you know what, I, I can't even deal with my problems, I can't deal with yours or what your confession is coming out of your mouth and what comes out of your mouth in a situation when it's not nice, or you're going through some hardship, what comes out of your mouth? If you're squeezed hard enough, what comes out of your mouth? What is your lifestyle portraying? You know, it's in- interesting that if you have a look at the shepherds in, in the West, the shepherds that look after sheep and cattle and that, but let's say sheep, they drive the sheep. They got cattle dogs and we drive them with helicopters and cars and we muster them. But in the Middle East, they lead the sheep. The sheep know their voice. That's not just a nice parable that Jesus said. They actually sing to the sheep. Uh, they, they put oil on the sheep's head. They get familiar with their sheep. And the shepherd honey has to sing or sing a melody or whistle. And the sheep know his voice. And he walks and they follow. See, out west, out this way, we drive them. But Jesus does not drive us. He leads us. That's what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. If you don't want to be led, that's not God's fault. If you want to be swayed with every wind and doctrine, that's not God's fault. If you want to play God, I heard this funny statement, the difference between us and God is God's not trying to be us. We are want to be God. You know, surrender and yielding to Him. See, bowing the knee is... You know, I don't care if you stand up, sit down, lay down whatever, but it's a yielding, it's a bowing of your heart towards him when you pray. It's, a, it's an act of humility. It's an act of dependence on God. But knowing that the victory is yours. See, I don't pray out of a place, Lord, give me the victory. I pray from victory. I've already won the victory. Jesus Christ has won it. He's defeated the devil on the cross. The devil's not my problem right now. I'm my problem. And when I get into line with him and understand his riches and glory for my life, I will have the victory. Can someone say amen? So we stop walking around, moping around. Oh, whoa, me. Listen to me. That ain't going to change God's heart. If sorrow and crying change God's heart, most of the world would have been saved by now. It doesn't faith moves God not money not manipulation faith not sincerity even not even good deeds not even being you know kind nothing moves God except faith and Paul here if you read the whole book of Ephesians it's awesome but I want to go back to verse 14 in chapter 3 for this reason I bow my knees for the father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Do you belong in the family of God? I speak to a lot of believers, especially Christians that have been in the Lord a long time, and obviously the new ones, is, but the ones a long time, and still don't know they belong in the Father's house. They have no image of their DNA, that their DNA and their, and their heritage is in the Father. That Jesus came to adopt us into the Father's house, not to start a new religion. Not to start a new denomination. He came to places in the Father's house. Because the only person in the house of the Father is the Son. And we are sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. Amen. Here he says that all the heaven, the family in heaven and on earth is named by him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. I'm going to show you some scriptures from, uh, from other passages to show you what Paul's saying here. This is chapter 2, verse 12, yeah? That at the time that you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, everyone say far off, have been brought near, everyone say near, by the blood of Christ. You were far off. I was far off. I was going to hell. I can't talk about you, but I was going there. I oh, bet you weren't that bad. Doesn't matter how bad I was. There was nothing good in me. Christ got me from afar off. I wasn't a Jew. I wasn't under any covenants or any blessings. I had no heritage. But guess what? That was for them. But guess what? Jesus came to reconcile and make one new man, the Bible says. There was a Jew And there was a Gentile. He says, there is no more Jew and there is no more Gentile. We're all one in Christ, amen. He took me from afar off and brought me into his house. So I was an alien. I had nothing to do with the kingdom of God. But by his mercy, he brought me in and brought you in. This is Ephesians chapter 12, verse 13. Can we go back to Ephesians 3? So I'm going to go through every verse, yeah. Verse 16, we're going back to his prayer, yeah? So he bends his knees. It says, every family under heaven and earth, yeah? Are you with me? I want to show you something here. In verse 16, he says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his might through the spirit in your inner man. You know, he doesn't deal with the outer man. He deals with the inner man. The outer man, you need to deal with. You need to crucify it every day. You need to declare it dead. And the Bible says, he who loses his life will find it. In other words, the outer man can never be redeemed. There's nothing good on the outer man. Speaking about the old nature. He strengthens the inner man. That's where the Holy Spirit lives. That's where the new nature is. You know what he says here? Really, in reality, he's saying that you'll be strengthened with the might through his spirit. Who's, which spirit is that? Holy Spirit in the inner man, which is your spirit. That's why it's important to pray in tongues. That builds up your inner man. That's why it's important to fast. To kill the flesh so the inner man can listen to what the Holy Spirit's got for you. And we know that there's the word involved in that. But I want to share something with you. Look what he says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Now, Colossians is written by Paul. Some argue that Paul dictated it and Timothy wrote it. Either way, it was Paul's letter. It says, put on the new nature or the new man and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator, and become like Him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Does that sound like 16? Being strengthened in the inner man? Yeah? Okay, let's go to verse 17 now in Ephesians 3. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in the love of God. What is a tree? But when you plant a tree, what happens to a tree? The roots go deep into the ground. If you're not spending time with God, and you're playing games, and Tiptoeing around the tulips, your roots aren't grounded in the love of God. It's not that God doesn't love you, you just don't know it because you haven't stood long enough to know. It comes with maturity, it comes with time. What, what have you ever done in one day that changed? I, I went to the gym once, and you can see. But if I went every day, I'd look like Dorian. See, so I want to start, you know, the F45 gym? I want to start one F5. Five minutes of training go home. I reckon I'd kill it. But here he says that you may dwell, may Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What does that mean? Christ dwell in your heart through faith, that he lives here? Jesus lives in my heart. You know. <laughs> what does it mean that Christ dwells in your heart? Why? So, I'm joking. Through faith, who's the Christ? Who's the Christ? Well, oh, speaking to a bunch of atheists now. Jesus Christ—that's not his surname, is it? Some people, someone asked me, "Is that his surname?" I go, "No, bro. It's not." Sorry. But what does Christ mean? The Anointed One, the Messiah. Christ means Messiah. The anointed one. What did the anointed one do for you? He died on the cross for you. He redeemed you. And he comes to live inside you. How? By his Holy Spirit. He is saying, by faith, he dwells in my heart. Why? I wasn't at the cross. I didn't see it. But by faith, I believe that I received by faith. Why? It's by his grace that I'm saved. And by faith, I know that he loves me. How do I know he loves me? Because he went to the cross for me and died for me. And paid a price that I could not pay. And here he says that once I understand that, once you understand that the Christ, the Son of the living God, paid the ultimate price for you and me, we can start getting grounded into the love of God and be filled with the love of God. Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 18. May be able to comprehend... With all the saints, what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height? It is once said that love is eternal. You know, when, when I got married, I loved my wife, my best wife in the world. She's not here. Yeah, um, joking. But then I had my son, AJ, sitting there. And I thought as a young crazy, I wasn't saved, and I was a young... Buck, I loved to fight in the streets. I was a f- rugby league player. I was just a rebel without a clue. But I got married. I settled down and I had my uh, first son, AJ. And I thought, wow, I, I don't know. How, like, what, what is this? Like, this love for this child. You couldn't surpass it. I couldn't explain it. But this is the ultimate for me. Then I had a second son named John Daniel. And I thought, wow, how do I, I thought I could never love anything as much as I love my son. Then I got two. And love expressed. And I had a third, Joshua. Yeah, no, no, he's good there. And I understood that love is eternal because God is love. Come on, somebody. And to understand the width and the length and the depth and the height that he loves us. But if I don't know him, I don't spend time with him, all I know is about him, I don't know him. Paul knew him. Paul says, I received the gospel from Jesus himself. He didn't receive it from Peter and John and and Luke and and Matthew and Mark. He received it from Jesus himself. He had his own revelation of who Jesus is. You know, they often say Thomas is a doubter. You know, the heading in your Bible says Thomas the doubter. Well, the translators put that in there. Jesus never called him a doubter. Thomas, he goes, here Thomas, go through it. And we've labelled that guy a doubter. But you know what? I want to see his piercings. I want to see the, the wounds. I want to see his heart. See, I can't live off my parents' faith or my mate's faith or my pastor's faith. Oh, I've got to see Jesus for myself. See, it's great that you lead me there. It's great that you lead someone to the cross. But if you don't see it, you've only had a secondhand faith. Thomas needed to see. This Thomas that you call a doubter went to India, got speared for the gospel, tied to four horses, and every horse went every different direction, and they, they basically disembalmed his body. This is Thomas the Doubter. I guarantee you he, no one would go through that. Why? Because he had a revelation of God Himself. Colossians 3 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in your, you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and adamation, admonition, Adam and Mon and Nation. And and another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And I read this and I thought, this is interesting. How do I sing psalms and hymns to one another? You know, in Colossians, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in your heart richly. Does the Christ words ring in your heart do do they have an impact in you it, it, can I can I say it this way goes, if you walk down the street how do you see your neighbor how do you see someone who just fell how do you see your brother that you sit next to you or your sister that you sit next to you is the word of the Lord upon your heart is, is it all you do is that you want something from God and I don't care what anyone else has or is it that I want to know him so I get to know you you know, singing spiritual songs to one another, singing with grace. And is, you know, all this, all this is saying is what comes out of you? Is it God? You know, are you, the Psalms talks about worship and, and hymns talks about uh, praising God and, and, and the grace of God. And what, what's it saying? It's saying that what comes out of you, what flows out of you. If someone's going through a hard time, do you bring them to the cross and do you love them through it or do you say, this is what you've done wrong? Or is it, is it, you know, is it someone that's in need of God's mercy and you're giving them rules and regulation? Or you're giving them religion? What's coming out of you? Or is it when you get together, it's gossip? Or is it, you know what, things could be better? Or every week his microphone doesn't work and he says the same jokes? Is it that type of conversation? Or is it spiritual songs? Is it edification? Do you look for an opportunity? You may not be a preacher up here, but you're all called to preach. Is there an opportunity for you to put your hand around someone and show them the love of God? That's what he's just saying here. Does Christ reign in your heart or is it always complaining and woe me and nothing's good for me and nothing works for me and where's God in my life? I can infect someone very easily or I can edify someone. It's your choice. Verse 19 in Ephesians, chapter 3. To know the love of Christ, sorry. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Can we go to Colossians 3.14 now? I want to show you something. Every scripture from Colossians is written by Paul, yeah? Every scripture we just read is written by Paul in Ephesians, yeah? 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 Look what he says in Colossians 3.14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, that which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Can I say it this way? When Paul wrote the, all these scriptures we just read in Colossians, yeah? They marry up with what he said in Ephesians, in a, in a, in a sense. But when he wrote... Uh, uh, Colossians he wasn't in jail he was speaking truth was he not are they God's words is that his revelation and he spoke the same words in Ephesians in jail so whether he was in jail or whether he was free he spoke the truth of God's word in other words what was in his house what was he filled with he was filled with the knowledge and the love of God and the mercy of God in his life no matter where if he was in the pit And he was in chains. He didn't say, whoa, me, God, look what I've done. I've got 20 churches started. No, no, no. What came out of his mouth was edification, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things for the love of God, that God may richly bless you according to his grace and mercy. He didn't sway by his situation or his circumstance. He didn't love you today because you're in a good mood and you hated you tomorrow because you're in a bad mood. He was the complete picture of Christ on this earth. Why? He was dead to himself. No longer he lived, but Christ lived in him. Can someone say amen? See, we're not meant to be swayed about our economic situation and our political situation and our and our, we're not meant to be swayed about our circumstances. Yeah, it's hard. Yes, it's tough. Get around people with faith. Don't get around people that are going to put you down or get around people that to agree if you're rubbish. Go and get someone challenge you. Don't go and find someone that you to tell you what you want to hear. Because there's plenty of people out there that are not in church today. They got and messaged that what they wanted to hear and they've been destroyed from it. Well, come and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. He goes back to the love of God. It's the love of the Lord and the fear of the Lord that keeps me on that road. People say, are you scared of God? I go, no, I I revere him as God. He's almighty. You know what he's done for me? That I deserve hell. He gave me heaven. That I deserve to be pushed out, but he adopted me in. That his power, you know, people say God's withholding hell. He gave you Jesus. How did God withhold if he gave you his best? And everything stems through Jesus. You know, quickly, just quickly, bended knees. Can we put that Smith Wigglesworth up? Did you see it? Smith Wigglesworth, if you know who he is, said this quote. He was born in 1859, died in 1947. They call him the apostle of faith. He was a plumber like Rebs. <laughs> um he was a plumber and he evangelized in, 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 in um, England and he, he came to Australia. I actually met a guy who was the grandson of the guy that drove him around when they were in New Zealand. This man raised the dead. This man walked in faith. And look what he says here. He says, God dwells in you, but you cannot have his divine power until you live and walk in the Holy Ghost. Until the power of the new life or the new nature or the new birth is greater than the old one life. Real faith has a perfect peace and joy and a shout at any time, it always sees victory. Hallelujah. You know, he prophesied what's gonna happen in Australia. That I believe we're part of this end time. He saw different moves of God through history. He saw this guy raised the dead, Palmer. Wish he was a painter. I love what he says here. I think, rabbis, you touched on it on Wednesday. Real faith, real joy, real peace is that the real faith has perfect peace and joy and a shout at any time. It always sees victory. What did he say Wednesday? If you're not walking in peace, you don't know the cross. You need to know who Jesus is. You see, most people know about the cross and they come to the cross and they bow their knee to the cross, they touch the cross and when they turn their back, they forgot about the cross. But I come to the cross and I've got onto that cross and I've been crucified with Christ on that cross. Now I live out of the cross. I don't live live to get to the cross. The cross is in me. Why? I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Just get that bit and your life will be different. Just get that a little bit and life would be different. You know, it's, it's sometimes Christians are like, I heard this analogy, Christians are like people that body surf. Now, I'm not much of a surfer, but not much of a swimmer. But have you seen someone body surf or, or on a surfboard? <laughs> They're all wogs here. No, one, no one's been to the beach, all right? We go a Bondi where we put oil on and we just walk around the shopping centers. Anyone been to the beach here? Yeah. <laughs> I've tried the body surf. And you know what? You've got to go out into the waves first. So it's like we've got to dive under. And when you finally get out there, you've got to catch the wave. And we're trying to catch this wave. And yeah, i got it. And it's already gone. It's finished. And uh... But when a surfer or who knows how to surf, what he does, he rides the wave. He's out there. He, catch, he rides with the wave. See, most Christians are trying to catch the wave and they're trying to crash and they're getting dumped because they have no concept of who Christ is. But when God starts to flow like a surfer, he knows he goes with the wave. See, I've got riches according to his glory. See, I live out of the notion that my Father in heaven has everything. And I live out of the knowledge that I'm his son and, I, and you're his daughter. But if you don't know that and you're wishing, woe well, me, woe well, me, and guess what? You're not filling your house with, with, with the things of God. And it starts with prayer. Right. Our Father isn't just a prayer we pray because he taught us our Father and we repeat it. That's awesome. Look in every line of what that means. He goes, pray like this. You know, Lord, you're my Father. And I thank you for what you've given me. That you've forgiven my sins. That you have all provision that comes to me. Because of the cross, your kingdom come and your will will be done. And that you've forgiven my trespasses. And I must forgive others. You have no choice. It's not even a debate. But lead us not into temptation. Temptation knocks on my door every day. But God's not the one leading you. And deliver us from all evil. Starts with prayer. That's one. You can start there with prayer. Just with prayer. Fill your house up with prayer. You know, you know, often say you go to you know, Paul in jail, and he's writing a letter to the Ephesians, and he, his go-to was, "That's why, for this reason, I bow my knee for your sake." And you know what he was saying? Keep going, because you don't know how much God loves you. You don't know how much God the, the adores you. You don't know the riches He's giving you. You don't know the faith that He's put in you. You don't know the, the ability that you've got with inside you. It's that wide, that deep, that high. We cannot imagine how much God loves us. And if you know that, what would you not give God? You can give to or you can give from. Paul's saying here is that out of his, according to his riches, he bestowed us glory and riches from his glory. Look at this quickly. Men that prayed, Solomon, when he dedicated the temple in 2 Chronicles 6.13, he knelt down and he dedicated and prayed and declared And dedicated the temple. Daniel prayed three times a day. Every day without miss. Even if it cost him his life. You know the story? They put him in the the lion's den. Because he wasn't allowed to pray to anyone but uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Not not interested. I'm praying three times a day. They set him up. The psalmist prayed. uh, Psalm 95.6. In worship. He knelt down to worship. Jesus in, in Luke chapter 22 prayed. On his knees and to submission to the Father. Stephen. Acts chapter 7, verse 60, knelt down. Listen to me, listen to me. He knelt down while they're stoning him, not to deliver him, but to forgive them. Guess who who ordered the murder? They took their clothes off to stone Stephen. So the Bible says there's a man named Saul standing here who ordered the murder. The first murder recorded in the Bible was Stephen. And the men that stoned him took their clothes off, which means took their robes off, and gave him at the feet of a man named Saul. And then ordered the murder. And the stones weren't little pebbles. They were rocks and boulders. And they were experts. And they're crushing his head with these stones. And he knelt and prayed and looked up. And guess what he prayed for? Deliver me, Lord. He prayed for forgiveness. And guess, he says, Father, do not hold this sin against them. Who else said something like that? Jesus on the cross. Guess who got saved from that prayer? Paul. Who was Saul. Saul. Who became poor, who we're talking about now? A murderer, now a believer, and understood God's riches. If there was someone that was going to hold on to his past, woe me, I shouldn't have done that. I killed Stephen, oh, woe me. No, he moved on. He goes, I've been forgiven. And you coming with me or not? But I'm serving Jesus. Imagine that first time he met Peter. Peter ordained Stephen, says, get some blokes that are full of the Holy Spirit to wait on tables because we got too busy for the word. Then he gets killed. Imagine Paul meeting Peter for the first time. I don't know what was like. And know it's what's even funnier, when Peter's been a hypocrite, Paul tells him. At any time, Peter would have said, shut up, you killed our mate. But no, he didn't because he knew what Paul had. Paul, this murderer, But see. You're either crucified with Christ or you're not. See, today you have to understand, you died with Christ, you buried with Christ. That's what we're doing Wednesday. We, 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 we die with Jesus, we're buried with Jesus, and we rise again into the new life. The old Tony's dead. I'm the new Tony. And better looking too. No one said amen. Paul, Acts chapter 20 verse 36, he prayed for the believers in Ephesus. Every one of them had a posture of bended knees. Are we willing to bend our heart before God? Not as dirty, rotten sinners. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. God already knows that. Get over yourself. Now you bend your knee and say, Lord, I haven't believed this gospel that I have heard, but I need to believe it. I need to believe it. You know what? The blessing's mine. Healing is mine. Deliverance is mine. Prosperity is mine. Wholeness is mine. It's all mine. Why? Jesus didn't die on a cross to start a new religion. He died to start a family. And inheritance is mine. Stop letting the devil rob you. Stop letting him rob you. Stop whinging to God. And start declaring the truth about your life. Stop looking at the past and say, we used to do it this way, or I used to be in the church, that did it that way. You know, listen, old things have passed away. That was a good time. The old days were good, but God's doing a new thing. Are you on the wave? Coming to a place where God's going to move on this earth. Listen to me, and you can miss it out. You can miss out and not know what God's doing. Jesus appeared to 500 after his death. 500. And I don't know what he said to 500, but I'm pretty sure he said, wait for the promise. Because Jesus, the Bible says, is no respecter of person, so He would have told His disciples. Now we know it's recorded that He said to His disciples, "Wait for the promise." All right, so that was the disciples. But we know there was 120 in the upper room, so I'm guessing that He told every person He appeared to wait for the promise. But guess who was there on Pentecost? Only 120 out of the 500. You could be Jesus could appear to you tonight in your dream, and you could ignore it, and you could miss out on the greatest blessing. They weren't there on Pentecost. They didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. They missed out. But what are you willing to pay for this? <laughs> Paul was in chains. And the, his life was in the hands of Caesar, the Roman emperor. He didn't say, Get me out. He didn't say, The start of revolution. He says, It's for your advantage that I'm in here. Can we stand? If we had for time, I could have showed you a lot more, but I wanted to show you that Paul shared the same message when he was free and the same message when he was in bondage. Ready to be sentenced to die. And he said to strengthen you in the inner man. See, inside you there's a spirit. And that spirit is alive because of Christ. And the Holy Spirit won't do the walk for you. The Holy Spirit won't change you unless you allow him. In other words, my spirit has to submit, has to yield to the spirit of God. Now, I don't know about you, but if you come here every Sunday and hear a good message and you forgot about it on the way out, really you have to question yourself, why do you come? So I don't claim to be a great preacher. I don't claim to know it all. But I do know enough to know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us specifically. You know, every week I sit down and say, Lord, what do you want me to share? Rab sits down and what do you want me to share? Because I can share some lot more easier messages than this and make you entertained a lot better than what I do. You know, and I love sharing and edifying, but sometimes we need to we need to understand that you know what we're not where we should be. I thank God for where we are because I look back and see where I was, but you know that there's so much more in Christ that we can be walking in. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in any situations and circumstances, God can prevail in your life? Do you believe that? Not many. See, sometimes this is in the hard questions that you need to see where you're at with God. And it's a patient game with God. He's long-suffering in love. It's not a tick in the box, Or I prayed three times today, and I did this today, and I get this. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It's about knowing Him intimately. It's about filling your house. Because one of the things that you can fill your house, your inner world, is prayer. And the prayer could be, Lord, help me. One of the greatest prayers I read in the Bible is, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Greatest prayer, because it's the most honest prayer. Lord, I don't understand what you're doing in my life, but whatever you're doing, Lord, show me so I can walk it out. Oh, Lord, you promised me this, but I haven't got that yet. Your Word says this, but I haven't got there yet. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter because the Father loves you as long as you remain in the house and the house is full of Him. See, He wants to dwell in your home. The Bible says that he who has the Son has the Father, and who has the Father has the Son. What more do you want from heaven? I want stuff. No, I don't want stuff. If I get Jesus, I have everything. If I have Jesus, I have everything. There was a story, and this guy went to China, and he was preaching in China, and these guys don't preach 45 minutes and go to dinner. Four or five hours and people travel two, three hours to come and listen to this guy preach. And they sit on the floor, no air conditioning. And yet if they get caught, they get arrested. So this man went there thinking, oh, it's only a small home group. He took 10 Bibles with him. They reckon 40 people walked in. 20 people, sorry. 25 people walked in. He goes, sorry, I don't have enough Bibles. He gave them out. He gave one lady a Bible and he noticed that she gave it to the next person, the next person gave it to the next person, the next person gave it to the next person. Oh, that was weird, and he preached. And he wanted to close up because he's an American preacher, and he goes, "I'm American, then. we can't preach more than twenty-five minutes. People get sleep. He says, "Now give us more." Four hours later, they stopped to have a break. He was curious that this lady who I gave the Bible to gave it to that person, who gave it to that person, who gave it to that person, gave that person. He said to him, "You know what? Why don't you just share the Bible?" He goes, "Oh, that's okay. I've memorized it." <laughs> what? He goes, I've memorized that, Gospels, and you're preaching out of the Gospels, so I thought I'd better give it to the next person. So he goes, excuse me, why did you give the Bible? He goes, I've memorized it. Next person goes, I've memorized it. This person, I'm new here. He memorized the Bible, because they don't have Bibles. They don't have the Word of God. And after he preached, he was humbled, this guy, and this guy was a good teacher of the Word, and but he was humbled. He just couldn't get that out of his head, and he's preaching, and by the end, he... He says, is there something? And they finished the meeting. He says, and then he says, I can't believe that you gave the Bible. And she says, look, I could get arrested for, for having a Bible. So I memorized that and we passed it on. We don't have Bibles here. Please send Bibles. Don't send money. Don't send food. Send Bibles. He says, what would happen if they come in now? He goes, well, that would arrest you and send you back. but they, I'll get three years jail." And many in that room got arrested and been in jail. Anyway, at the end, he says, is there something that I can pray for you? And they said, yeah, pray that we are like America. Pray that we can be blessed like America and have the word. And the he goes, no, no, I'm not praying that prayer. He goes, why not? He goes, because I need to pray that America becomes like you. Because we don't have hunger for the word like you. We won't travel 40, we only travel no more than 45 minutes. You traveled four hours in a train. We're not going to get arrested for reading the Bible. You're going to get arrested for reading the Bible. He goes, no, no, no. My prayer is that we become like you. And isn't that the, the, you know, their poverty and, 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 the, and, the, and the assault on them and their underground churches and, and all these things. And, and I often wonder, we got a Bible on every mantelpiece, downloaded on an app, on the computer. And yet they don't have a Bible. They said, don't send us money. Don't send us food. Just send us the Word of God. How much value do they have for the Word? How much money? You should see their prayer time. It's not a kumbaya, my Lord, prayer. They intercede two, three hours, four hours. They want to touch heaven, and they're not satisfied if heaven doesn't fall down. But you know what? I, I, I have to honestly say, I'm not there. I'm here. And I'm blessed in this nation. Are we not blessed? And we can't. So it's not like, whoa, me, and look at them. You know what it should be about? I've got the chance to do more. I've got the ability to do more, but I can't do any more if I don't know him. How can I forgive if I haven't been forgiven? How can I love if I don't know his love? How do I know what to say if I don't have his word? How do I tell you about my father if I'm not, do I do not know my father? Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the father. So my prayer tonight is that you'd fill your house. Because guess what? If you don't fill it with God, the devil's knocking on your door and a lot of the times he's snuck in and he's sitting on your lounge and you don't even know it. I could write a book on how many people justified their lifestyle that have been in the church with me and seen the miracles of God with me. And they're, they're, they're well, you know what? I don't want church. I want to be spiritual. Guess what happens? devil sneaks in, sits on their door, and the end is worse than the beginning. I could write a book on that. It breaks my heart. But I believe the word of God does not return void. And God is calling you back. God is calling you back to where? The height, the depths, the width, the length of his love. Nothing, listen to me, nothing can separate you from the love of God. You separate yourself. But God's love will never separate. Amen. Father, I thank you tonight. I seal that word with your spirit. That's your word, Father. I thank you, Father, tonight that there's a hunger and thirst for you. That their house may be filled. That their inner man may be strengthened. That they may know the glorious riches according to his grace and mercy. That Paul would preach and teach in jail. And pray for the ones that are free. But in reality, that Paul was more freer than the people outside. But let us not be people bound by what the enemy is lying to us, bound by our past, bound by our flesh, bound by our situations and circumstances, but we are edified and lifted up holy hands. And we say, thank you, Father. We thank you that our hearts are bowed before you in humility because while I am weak, he is strong. That the love of Jesus will never, ever, ever let you down. That I want that peace that passes all understanding. I need that peace that passes all understanding. That I'm a child of God and I go about my father's business. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight. Those listening online, may the Holy Spirit touch you. That be amongst family. That God will never leave you nor forsake you. And ask for the wind of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father to blow upon every person here tonight. And for those who do not believe or do not understand, please, please listen to me. Jesus is waiting. He touched me 20 years ago. There's a million things that I thought I'd be doing today, and this is not one of them. But by God's grace and God's mercy, His plan is greater than my plan. His ways are better than my ways. His thoughts are better than my thoughts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of your salvation. The Bible says it's by grace we are saved and not by works. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. You have to submit. You have to bow the knee, bow your heart to him and receive him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says it. He who confesses his in His faithful and just to forgive all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For those of you who are here and have been here for a while, please stay in fellowship. Stay, stay with one another. Sing psalms and hymns to one another. Edify one another. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. And let Jesus reign through your life. That's not my might nor by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So I close this tonight. And there's a message from the Father. It just keeps ringing out of my heart is that He loves you. The Father loves you. The Father loves you. It's interesting when Stephen got stoned. The Bible says that he looked up and prayed, and the Bible says that he saw Jesus standing. Jesus stood up. And he said to receive him home. Many say that he stood up and made intercession, but I believe with all my heart. Yes, all those things are true, but I believe with all my heart. He stood up and said, Father, there's one just like me who just forgave. Father, there's one that just loves me. He who loves the son the father loves. And today, we walk out of here different. Today, our house gets filled. You know what? Today, you can pray now, not out of religious prayers and obligation, but you pray out of a place of sonship. Father, our Father. If you could just say that, that's enough. So Lord, I thank you tonight. I give you all the praise and honor. Thank you for those who are contemplating baptisms and those who are booked in to be baptized. I ask you to love them through this. Let the journey of the Lord. This is the most amazing journey, walking in the things of the kingdom. We're here for you. We love you. Jesus is for you and is not against you. Amen. Amen.